Okay, um, I'm excited. I'm always, always thankful for the opportunity to share the word together. We're going to be um, in Matthew 13, uh, starting from the beginning, talking about parables of, of the sower. So, Father, we thank you for this awesome opportunity to open your word. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would um, open up our eyes, our spiritual eyes, open up our heart, um, that we would really receive and understand, open up our ears, our spiritual ears to hear this. Holy Spirit, um, you are incredible at unpacking the Word of God in a way that goes deep in every single one of us and brings forth much fruit to mature in all the fullness that you have for us. And so we thank you for another time to share it together. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I, I love uh, stories. I love telling stories. Um, and we have some incredible storytellers here, front row. We've got an amazing storyteller. How many, raise your hand if you like to tell stories. I mean, I don't mean like in any kind of, but I just like telling stories, like talking to your children or whatever. Yeah, it's a fun, fun thing uh, for me, and especially with my children, to communicate powerful lessons. Um, it, it just really comes through in, in a unique and very effective way, especially because they can remember uh, a lot of it. And I remember I had a series with my kids for a while um, where it was these animal, like, cowboy characters doing, like, shootout, outlaw, bandit. There was the marshal and all this. And, oh, my word, they, I would make it up on the spot. But it was like a whole series. So every time we'd sit down for dinner, like, can we hear about Marshall Ribbit and Marshall Ribbit? I don't even remember. It's been years ago, something. And so I'd have to make up a new story. But I wouldn't ever, as, as fun as it was, I wouldn't ever waste a good story. I'd try to put something in there. And a lot of it's just flowing out of who you are and what you believe and the beliefs that are in your life. And you just flow it into what you're talking about. And it's entertainment, but it's driving a point home. And it's memorable. It's very memorable. And, and Jesus is a master at telling stories. He's a master uh, of parables. And that was a unique way that Jesus was reaching the multitudes. And if you study it in Matthew 13, it's, it's like one of the first times where he really comes out solid for the whole day he just teaches in parables. And even so, his disciples are like, you know, Jesus, what are you doing? We're not used to this. You're just teaching in parables. They're waiting for the Sermon on the Mount. They're waiting for, you know, these powerful truths or for him to open up the scroll of Isaiah and to preach from it. And here he's just telling really good stories. Uh, and, of course, we know that very well because they're beautiful and meaningful to us. And we've probably read them hundreds of times, if not thousands. But how many of us ever go to a good burger place buy a burger and say, oh, I've had this before. Um, I guess I'll have it again. Not me. There's some places and like, that's what I want. It's that Hawaiian burger, and I want that burger, and it's good every time. And so when we, got, when we dive into the Word of God, we are opening something that feeds us. No matter how many times we've sat there in that booth and eaten that Hawaiian burger, we are in the Word of God, and it's coming alive. And so um, uh, that's what we're going to do today. Um, let's read uh, verse 1, and we're going to stop for now at verse 9. If you have it again, Matthew 13, verse 1. That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him, 
So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Um, some of you, a lot of you probably know that uh, I am a digital cinematography major and uh, had um, awesome opportunity to go get my uh, cinematography degree at Full Sail University. And our projects were um, like going out and filming stuff all the time. It led up to a thesis, a final thesis film that we had to do for the degree program. And that could be, it could be narrative, it could be a documentary, whatever kind of format we wanted to do, but it had to be a short film. And I, I never really liked to do things halfway, so while a lot of students were just running around filming their friends and stuff, I was like raising money and trying to get a budget to film this amazing short film. We had to write, we had to direct it, we had to produce it. And at the time, um, I, I had a story in my heart that was connected, and a lot of you have probably seen the story I'm talking about. It's called The Cursing Stone. Um, and I had a story in my heart that was connected to my childhood, but I really wanted to tell a story in a way um, that was visual and drove home the point of Jesus breaking the curse of sin and death. And it all played out. I don't want to go into it. I just want to make this point. It played out in a way a, a, a woman was plagued all her life with this curse. It was a family heirloom curse. So the, the movie was kind of, um, it was fictional, but it was thriller, almost sort of very, very light horror, nothing gory or crazy, but psychological, very much so. And she, from a, from a little age, as a little girl, her mother, who also was plagued by this family curse, um, cursed her. And it was symbolized as a family heirloom, a stone. She gives the stone to her daughter. She's calling her daughter worthless every time the daughter makes a mistake. So this poor woman all her life is carrying this burden. The stone gets bigger as she gets older and she buys into the curses. The curses start speaking to her through the stone. We know that to be demonic activity, but it was almost kind of like a fairy tale thing in this story. She has a family and she's carrying the weight and the burden of of the abuse she suffered and the curse that she's carrying, listening to the lies and the deception. Um, and it affects her family. One of her sons almost drowns. The other son is estranged from her, and he goes on to live his life. So now we go to the eyes of the son, and he's married now, living his life. He's actually taking care of his brother who almost drowned, and he starts having visions of his mother trying to take her life. And sure enough, that's what's happening. The mother now, with grief and with pain, losing her family, she's all by herself, and the curses are trying to tell her, take your life, take your life. Tie, tie a rope to the stone you now carry, throw it into the lake. Now, we filmed all this, and we had locations, and we, I flew in actors, and it was an amazing experience. But the, the point that I want to get to, in the end, the very end, I flew in an actor from Texas who was starting to to um, definitely in Texas, he was getting into local TV and he was getting in even some national TV. 
doing commercials, and then he was going to go to New York to um, film school, and was really starting to, you know, make his way in this industry. And I thought, man, I'm going to grab him while he's, I was following him on Instagram. I thought, I'm just going to shoot a message. Would you be interested in a small student project in Florida? He's like, absolutely. He's like, I'd love to go to Florida. So I flew him and some of his crew out. It was amazing. And um, he is the son. And at the end, he is running because he knows these dreams are serious. They're not just dreams. So now he knows his mother's life is in danger. He hasn't talked to his mother for a long time. But he runs to his mother's home just as she's making her way out to the dock. And she's already got the stone. The stone's speaking all these lies, telling her to take her life. And she ties a rope to her neck and to the stone. And she's going to throw it into the lake. He gets there in time. He stops her. And the voices stop. And he says, you don't have to carry this anymore. He forgives her for everything. They're restored, reconciled. And then he says, you, you won't have to carry this ever again. And he takes the stone himself. And she's trying to stop him. No, 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 you don't know what you're doing. And he goes to the end of the dock, and he plunges himself in with the stone. And he holds the stone at the very bottom until he, what looks like he dies. The curse, get, it gets louder. It's hissing. It's getting angry. It's manifesting. And he holds it, and then it stops, drops the stone to the bottom, and he comes to life and comes out of the water. And he and his mother are reunited at the end, and she's free from the curse. So we, we know that really to be... Um, a story of the gospel. And that's, that's what I wanted to do in a way that would catch a wider audience. Well, we also had the awesome privilege of uh, screening it in a theater in Newport Ritchie. We rented out a theater. I think probably a lot of you, some of you came in to watch it there. And then we rented one here locally. So two spots and packed the theater. It was really awesome. And everyone got to see that, that story. But a lot of people got to see it on social media. My, one of my teachers in the degree program, um, made the trip. I invited him, and he thought it was so awesome. He made the trip. He wasn't a believer. And he sat in the audience in Newport Ritchie, and I saw him at the end. He was so honored that I had asked him, but I was so honored that my teacher made a trip to be there to do this. He's in tears, and he's just weeping over it. He said, he said I can't, I'm so choked up, I can't talk about it, but it's, it connects me to my mother in a really powerful way. He said, thank you for telling this story. It has so much meaning to me. And I stayed a little bit in touch with them, but a seed was planted. The actor, the lead actor, I did not know, but he had walked away from the Lord. His mother was a strong believer. And as we're filming this, we are, I mostly had Christians as my crew. We would pray and do things. And he would just say, Jeremiah, I, I know exactly what you're about, and I love it. It's just really meaningful. I drove him to the airport. He said, this has totally changed my life. I called my mother and I just want you to know, you need to know this, that um, my mother's very serious about her faith, and I have not been. But this has absolutely changed my experience, and I'm going back to the Lord. So we, we stayed in touch for a little while, and he got this awesome opportunity selected in one of the film schools in New York. It was amazing. He was asking me to pray for him. Would you pray? Because I don't know if this is what I'm supposed to do. And I didn't say you're supposed to do it, you're not supposed to do it. I just prayed with him. And... All of a sudden, he falls off the map. When I see him again, he's still in Texas. He's married, strong in his faith. He's a dad. He's a believer, raising children. He just said no to the whole industry thing and decided to live for Jesus in, in his life. So God, God gets the glory. God was, was working through that process. The film project was part of it, and that brings me to my point of stories, how, how powerful they are. Jesus gives us this parable. And 
let's, let's take a look at this and, and break it down. We know that Jesus is the master sower and reaper. He is. He calls us to sow and to reap, obviously, um, but he is the master. But he gives us a parable, and I don't think that this parable is simply to cast a judgment on those that would hear his word and not. He wouldn't need to tell us that. I think there's tools and there are important, valuable gems that he wants us to walk away with, not just as a personal application, but that we would become sowers and we would be very, very intentional in the way we sow and we would understand kingdom dynamics of the word of God being sowed to the multitudes so that it brings forth much fruit. The heart of Jesus is so strong in this, and we can see that. So um, he is talking to a people that he had been ministering to. If you look in Matthew 12, um, he had gone toe-to-toe with the Pharisees. They were accusing him of casting out demons by the devil, and he was doing miracles before them, and he's preaching the word in power. They are seeing what he's doing with their eyes, and they're hearing what he's doing, but their hearts are still closed, and they're blind. And Jesus says this. Let's look at um, uh, verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see. In other words, they just saw me heal a man's withered hand, yet they don't see. And while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. I just taught them the power of God's word, and they're not hearing it. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear. And they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. What was the difference between the disciples and the multitudes or the disciples and the Pharisees? And I think that's important to look at because Jesus says it was granted unto you. Were they an elite group? I mean, elite in a sense, yes, they're the apostles and they have you know, uh, they have a heritage and they have things built in the city of God after them, yes. But not elite in the sense that they weren't accessing anything that you and I or every other believer couldn't access, correct? We're accessing it today. The difference is that they were called and they heard the call and they followed after their master and they left and forsook everything to go after this Jesus of Nazareth. And therefore, Their eyes are open because they see him every day and they hear him every day and their hearts are postured in a way that says, Master, we want to receive what you have for us. It's good soil. So they're open and willing in the spirit to receive 
what God is giving to them. It cannot be understood in the natural. Though this parable is a natural picture, it's an, a good earthly story with a heavenly message. And the disciples understand that. Jesus, it's, it's really neat to see that Jesus is choosing a different approach here. He had been in the synagogue. He had been in the home. And now he decides, I'm just going to go out. And a matter of fact, he goes out to the sea to rest. The multitudes follow him. And he gets into a boat and uses the boat as his platform. And what's very reversed from today, he sits down and the multitudes stand on the beach to hear him. And here you're sitting and I'm standing. So it's a little different. It'd be an interesting dynamic. I'm not going to make you stand up. And, um, but he changes his approach and it captures the people. And as he has them captured, he uses stories to drive the point home. And it says, verse 34 of Matthew, says that there wasn't anything that he did that day when he started teaching the parables. It says, all these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables, and he did not speak to them without a parable. So imagine Jesus has the multitudes now. When he seizes the opportunity, he uses stories to get his message across. Powerful. And my, my uh, exhortation would be this. In our life, where are our multitudes? And a multitude may be, you know, at least it's more than one, but two or three people. Where are our multitudes? Where do we have this field, this amazing opportunity to seize and grab a hold of people's hearts the way Jesus is here. And I believe the Holy Spirit will give us creativity to do that. And I'm not saying you have to tell some amazing story, but there's something in you that the Lord can use to grab a hold of people's hearts, no matter where they are in terms of, are they a roadside type of person, a wayside, is there heart packed and hard? Are they a rocky place where they have soft soil on top, very shallow, but huge boulders that are getting in the way and obstacles? Are they a place that seems like it could grow just about anything, but they have thorns and things choking them out? Are they good soil? Only the Holy Spirit can help us navigate through that. And you can see signs in people's lives as you come in contact with them, you can see things that will help you understand a little more, but ultimately we can't judge the, what's inside their heart, the intentions of their heart. Only Jesus can do that. But we can look at what he's giving us and be much more intentional with how we minister to people with the word of God. Um, okay, so I love the idea when we look at um, nature and we see fruit, which every creature wants to seize a hold of for sustenance. But a lot of that fruit's got outside coverings, and some pretty hard, some are pretty soft. But the point is, it's to protect what's inside. And the laborers who know how to pierce that outside covering get the fruit inside. And I like to look at the parables as that. Jesus is wanting them to be impacted, and he wants the Spirit of God to impact it in their lives uh, so that it stays, it sticks, and it takes root. 
So he puts a shell, the shell of the parable on it. Um, all right, so um, uh, let's look at the, the four soils. Jesus says to them, he who has ears, let him hear. So he tells them, he gives them at the end this key. He says, look, this may seem like a good story, but there's something in here. So he gives them the invitation to go deep. And I believe that call would be heard from those, the people in the multitudes, whose hearts really want to know God. That would be their cue to say, oh, I'm going to dig. I'm going to seek. I'm going to uncover. And he begins to break down the soil. And I want to look at the, <laughs> the way the, the, I recognize that little voice. She's, a, she's either agreeing or she's like, debt. Daddy's talking again, blah, 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 blah. I'm not sure. I don't know. So, <laughs> uh, okay, the four soils. Beside the road or roadside or wayside, verse 4, um, it's a high traffic place. So root, no roots can grow in that because it's so packed, trodden down with business. Imagine like the business roadways and and and. It's eaten by the birds quickly because it just has no place to go deep. Jesus says in verse 19, this is he who hears but does not understand, and the enemy snatches it. So really important to understand the sowing of the word. And again, this is, we look at it as Jesus specifically sowing the word, but who does he use to sow the word to preach the gospel? We are called to preach the gospel. So this is very, very applicable to us. But the enemy and I know a lot of times it's easy to see, like, however they say it, a demon in every shadow or whatever around every corner. How's it go? In every bush. A demon behind every bush, right? But in this case, Jesus says, no, 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 no. The enemy is at work. The moment the word goes into your life, the enemy is at work. We need to be mindful. We need to see what Jesus is telling us so we have a strategy and we can pray accordingly and not all of a sudden say, that person I shared my faith with and testimony with who received it all of a sudden on Tuesday is back in the bar, drunk, throwing their life away. What happened? What do you think happened? The enemy came. That's important to understand. Rocky places. So we get it beside the road, hard, packed. People are on it all the time. The people that are so full with, with the business of life that they just can't really receive the beauty of the word of God. The rocky places, verse five, no depth of soil quickly receives, but no depth of roots. In verse 20, Jesus says, um, the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. So how many of you have come across the individual that when you start sharing your faith, they're very receptive, very open, um, almost a little too open. Like, ah, what's going on here? Why are they so? Uh, but they have uh, boulders in their life. They have obstacles. They have things they're carrying, things that are preventing uh, the word and the truth to go down deep to take root. And so they start off well, but they cannot endure. Listen to this. I love this. So Jesus says, uh, 
Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Again, when affliction and persecution arises because of the word. Now, it does not tell us persecution and affliction by the devil, although we can assume the enemy is part of that process, but I think it's really important to understand, though, the moment the word of God sets loose and gets into somebody's life, expect persecution. Expect for it to be tried and tested. There's a side that the enemy is doing his work in it, but it's part of the process and nature of God for that to grow strong and to take root. And it's necessary, very necessary for every believer to have a good root system and structure in the Lord. But in this case, the rocks prevent that from happening. The rocky places in a person's heart. Um, the thorns, among soil that has thorns. So the seed is sown among the thorns. Verse 7. Um, Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And we can see this as Jesus calls attention to it. Um, and the one, verse 22, and the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Interesting that the dynamic is with the poor and with the rich. Thorns will take them both. It's not just the deceitfulness of wealth, but it's the cares and worries of life, which every human being has to fight. So this is poor, this is the rich, but this is the place where the thorns grow and have their way to choke the life of God. And for us, with the promises that we've received, it's important that we fight for the truth and declare and speak the truth in our life so thorns can't have a place to dwell. And I, I am fully convicted in this place in terms of life, in terms of being a father, in terms of being a provider. All the things that could seem like justified worries and concerns and cares can very quickly become thorns. And it can consume us. And one powerful thing that Laura and I have started doing that's really changed my life, because it really has been an obstacle, is every day give thanks. And every day say, I don't know about tomorrow, but I know this day you've given me this day. And I know this day I have all I need. And I know this day, whatever's on the schedule, I can do it. You've given me the power to do it. If, it's, if it starts spilling over tomorrow, forget it. Put it on pause. I don't want anything to do with it. I know that sounds simple. And again, these are simple truths hidden in a story, but they're not complicated. But it has set my heart free. And, so, and I'm, I'm still a work in progress. I'm still, then something else will, will hit me upside the head, and I'll be like, uh-oh, that's a big one. But then I bring it back to this simple truth. Is that a big one necessary for today? Nope. That's a few months out. Forget about it. It's powerful. It's, it's really powerful, really set my heart free. But this is what's happening. And I want us to see these dynamics because there's a point. There's a reason where we're going, a place where we're going. I love, um, I love that as Jesus is telling his parable, he's at the seaside. And one point I did want to 
to uh, draw attention to is uh, Isaiah. He's fulfilling prophecies all throughout this as he's doing this little side note, but I just love the visual of this in Isaiah 32, verse uh, 20. Um, How blessed will you be, you who sow seed or who sow beside all waters, who let out freely the ox and the donkey. So Jesus is talking to a multitude that needs the truth, those that are oppressed by worry, care, concern. And he is sowing the seed as he's talking about the seed of the sower. He's getting their hearts, and he's giving them truth to set them free. The fourth soil, we know this one, the the good soil, verse 8. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. And Jesus says in verse 23, and the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man or the woman who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. And of course, the, the good soil is the soil, if you were an evangelist, that's the soil you want. But it's not always the case. But it is what we want to encounter because it's receptive, it's prepared, it's gotten the obstacles out, it's a fruitful place where things can start to grow. Now, I would say this. Is, so if we say, let's look at the sower as Jesus because he tells a few more parables and in one of them, it's clear that Jesus is the sower. In this, it's the sower, kind of generic. So it's definitely Jesus. And if we were to look at it as Jesus, is Jesus wasting his time sowing the seed on all of these surfaces if he knows what they'll do? No, he's not wasting his time. He's very intentional. Even if it goes on the rocky places or the places with thorns, he is faithful. And, not, and again, I don't believe that this parable is just to tell us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to everybody. I think there's tools that he wants us to grab hold of and to use. And I think it is this way, that if we know the different types of soils, can we not labor and work with the Spirit to change that soil? God changes the hearts. Only God can do that, but he absolutely can use us. For instance, let's say this. Let's say that um, it's, it's easy. When I, when I uh, got saved, I was led to the Lord by a spiritual father who was a powerful evangelist. Like we would go out on street corners, literally with megaphones and tracks and pass out tracks. But he had a heart of gold, and he just had this really simple heart. I've shared his story a little bit before. He was the one that died in a motorcycle accident, was dead for 20 minutes, went up, had an encounter with the Lord, came back and got saved radically, and just Jesus was always flowing out of this man. So when he did evangelism, he would do kind of old-fashioned evangelism, but always bring the power of the Spirit with it. So it was very effective, um, but that was kind of the way I cut my teeth on evangelism was the old school, like Jack, Jack, Chick, uh, Jack Chick tracks and stuff, for those of you that know those. Um, those things are interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, anyways, and, you know, you just go and you just preach and then you try to start conversations. There could be a template way approach 
to when we share the word. And a lot of times we can feel the expectation, and I've got to say A, B, C, and hopefully I can get this person to commit their life and then boom, move on. It, it, that would be a very unfortunate way, and that would not be a parable of the sower type approach to the word of God impacting a person's heart. It's a very generic uh, way to do it. And we are not guaranteed a perfect field to work in. None of us are. We may have moments like that. And I would say your family should be your best field because that's where you pour and labor and weep, blood, sweat, and tears. That ought to be the most beautiful garden in your life. That field should be prepared and ready and good soil. We can't control everything, but we sure can devote ourselves as a faithful servant to our family. And, 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 and my thought process is, if I can't be to my children, um, if, if in terms of them being my greatest disciples, if I can't give them all of my energy or focus, then I'm really wasting my time if I'm trying to do great ministry outside of that because God has given me this incredible mission field every day. And I'm not perfect, and many of you know that and probably see that, um, but I take it very seriously, my children. And, you know, I don't have the big crowds, but I have a big family. And <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to be Billy Graham, so I thought I'll just have a bunch of kids in, give myself, give myself an audience and... Um, but, but seriously, it's, it's really important. So it's important how, how intentional we are in that way, right? Being faithful with that. But that gets me to the point that what can we do in the multitudes, the field, the multitudes that have been given to us to start to understand these dynamics? So I can look at somebody that's struggling in their life. I can talk to somebody that seems really open at first. But I want to build relationships because relationships are the pathways to know what kind of soil it is. You're not going to know the soil of a person's life if you just give them the four spiritual laws and Roman roads and then get them to say a prayer and then you move on. And I'm not against big uh, evangelistic campaigns that thousands commit their lives to Christ. But what my question always is, and this is not a judgment against any ministry, it's just a question where is the follow-up afterward? Are we intentional with that? Or do we have a great event that sowed a bunch of seed but left that soil just to do what it's going to do? I don't believe that's what Jesus is teaching us here, not at all. Jesus wouldn't need to teach us the different type of soil. He would just simply say, sow the seed, don't ask questions, just do it. He's not saying that. He's saying be wise. Understand where you're putting my word and understand the dynamics so relationships create opportunities to begin to understand. Maybe you are walking with a person for four years and you've shared with them, they know your lifestyle, but in no big way have you ever sat and preached the gospel in a conventional way. You've walked with them for four long years and one day they turn to you and they say, my cancer's back. I've been watching you and I watch how you are with your kids and I said this, and your, your child heard me, and they came over and prayed for me. And tears came down my eyes because I just see something in your family. And now when you start talking to them, may I pray with you? And you pray in the name of Jesus. And they start saying amen. 
And there's this transformation of a life in a heart that was in a different soil bed that now is starting to look like good soil. But without the intentional approach and the wisdom from the parable of Jesus, we couldn't miss those amazing opportunities. And I'm not saying that every person you come into contact with, you find a way to build a deep and meaningful uh, relationship. It's not gonna happen, but we sure can live with a different approach in this area. I, I have tried. I have tried to have more meaningful interactions. And also, I've relieved the pressure of feeling like I have to say the 15-minute whatever I need to do so that they, I, I can walk away with a clear conscience knowing that I've, I've shared my testimony and witnessed to them in an accurate way, and now I can just let God do what God's gonna do. Instead, I remove that pressure and I say, Holy Spirit, what can I say right now? What should I say? Should I say anything? I've sat with people on a park bench and just put my arm around after I found out they were having a horrible day, people I don't know. And that's it. Didn't even say, may I pray with you? And I know that's like, how could, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. All I can tell you is that at that moment, I placed my arm around their shoulder and I, I just was there for them. Now, we are going to meet people in different ways and we have to be open to whatever the Lord wants to do. I had the awesome privilege to work with a, um, a family member who came to faith was a younger person, was very on fire and excited, reading the Bible every night. I literally was talking to them every night for at least an hour, sometimes two hours, for two, almost three months, every night. It was, it was, getting, it was getting taxing, but I, I just kept saying to myself, Lord, I want to be faithful with what you've given me. I want to be faithful, and I want to be here and, and sow and, and till the, the ground and the soil. And it was very fruitful, but even at the end of that three months, I started noticing lies and doubts coming from other outside uh, members of the family trying to snatch and steal what had been planted. So that's why this is so important that we understand these dynamics. Now, none of this is possible without the Spirit of God, and I want to end and close with this. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 16, let's read that. And we'll wrap it up with that. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit teaches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised or examined, I love that, spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? 
but we have the mind of Christ. So here, the Lord is telling us, is showing us through Scripture that it's going to take the Spirit of God searching the depths of a human heart for this to connect, for the Word of God to go forth. We have to walk by the Spirit when we are sharing the love of Jesus. It's key because we can miss something so precious that only the Father can speak through the Spirit of God to that person's heart. That's why a template-based approach, it may be a good place to start, but we are missing access right here that if we want that person to be spiritually awakened, to be able to examine the things that the Lord is sharing through you, then we have to trust the Spirit of God to do that process. And the Spirit of God can do that. You can just say, Jesus loves you, for God so loved the world. And if that's what you're called to do, then the Holy Spirit is going to unpack that. And we don't know what that looks like. As the Spirit of God starts examining, the Word is moving in power into this person's heart. It's trying to make its way and start to take root and get to the exact spot where it's going to flourish and come forth and mature. And it's going to come past the rocks and the thorns and all those things. And if we can be more purposeful in that process to say, Lord, where, maybe I could identify some thorns right now in this person's life. If they're being very open to me and they're talking to me about a divorce situation they're going through, well, that could potentially be some horrible thorns that are going to choke the life of what God is doing in them. And I can begin to be sensitive and pray and ask the Spirit of God, do I need to know it? I don't need to know it. But the Spirit can show me if it will help sow the seed and for that seed to come forth in power. And I believe God is calling us to be sowers this way. Um, to lean and be dependent upon the Lord in our approach when we're sharing the life of God through the word through our actions, through whatever it is, through a parable, through a prophetic act. You know, I've, I've seen um, amazing stories where, for instance, we used to do the uh, treasure hunts, the prophetic treasure hunts. How many have done that before? Yeah. One night we got together at a church and we prayed and asked the Lord just to show us things. Holy Spirit, show us. We didn't have any other agenda, just show us. We wrote things down on a list. And now we're starting to see lists form of attributes, of characteristics, of what people look like, even names, even tattoos. I saw a woman who had a very specific, I don't remember now because we're talking this years ago, very specific tattoo on her ankle. I wrote it down. I thought, that's crazy. Well, we decide, where, where's the field? Where are we going to go? Where are the multitudes? We go to Walmart. And we start looking. Yeah, that's a good treasure hunt field. You will find so many treasures at Walmart. And, uh, <laughs> and, and we're looking around, sure enough. I, I, it's not like, I mean, it's weird, right? Because you're walking around, now you have a list, and you're like. <laughs> but I did see the ankle, and I saw the tattoo. The exact tattoo on the ankle. Now, that gets even more weird because you have the information. The Spirit has, show, has shown you what to do, and now you have to approach. And so you approach a person, hey, 
just want you, just want you to see something. We were praying. I have this list. And I just, we wrote this over an hour ago. And we were praying for God to show us people that he wanted to love on tonight, that he wanted to show his love. I want you to read that line. She reads it, and her face gets big. She said, you wrote that an hour ago? Wrote that an hour ago. How did you know? We didn't know. The Lord knew. He pointed you out, and he has this message, which was already written for you. We shared it with her. She was in tears. impacted her life. Now, that's sowing seed according to the Spirit so that the Spirit does the work, and the seed goes much further than me stopping her and even saying, hey, excuse me, ma'am, did you know the Lord loves you tonight? That's beautiful. That's powerful. I wouldn't, you know, knock that. But we had very specific. That burst through many levels of, of doubt and hindrances in her life to hit the core. The Spirit of God knows what the Spirit of God is doing. And, and therefore, I want to encourage us and leave us with this point. Are we all called to be evangelists? No. But we are all called to preach the gospel. That is for sure. There are evangelists that are gifted and skilled. But I believe that Jesus is giving us tools in the parable of the sower for us to be more intentional and look for the opportunities so the seed goes deep, so the Spirit of God does the work to free and release the people that are bound. And what is your, start asking, what is your field? Who are your multitudes? Because the Lord has given us all a field and all multitudes of some sort, whether it's two people, whatever it may be. Um, and we can be encouraged to know that Jesus is very much in this process and wants us to experience the joy of what it's like to be the, the sower of the word, the sower of the seed of God, so that's what I have for you today. Uh, I just, uh, just want to close with a prayer. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. We ask that your word would go deep today. We ask that um, you would open it up. You would cause it to come al alive in us. And it, we could apply it now as we go out from here and throughout the week as we look at those relationships that already exist and the new relationships that we can build Lord, help us, give us wisdom to know at what level to engage those people that you bring in our lives so that we can be faithful with sowing your love into their lives. So nothing is wasted, Lord. So the enemy doesn't steal the opportunities given to us, God, so that the enemy doesn't have power to bind and oppress and to suck and choke the life out of people anymore. Use us as people that can set captives free as we preach your word in power. But Lord, I'm asking even more right now, on top of that, that your Holy Spirit would come forth in power in our lives. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can begin to expect great and mighty things as we testify, whether it's our, our, our own story of how you saved us or whether it's a verse or scripture that you've given us or whether you've given us some picture of somebody before we even meet them, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, fill us and equip us and send us out in power so we can preach your gospel, Lord, and it can bear much fruit. Amen. We ask you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.